0: Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the lord and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which god lives in his by his spirit thank you good morning everyone as we've seen this summer in our construction series we realize that god is not finished with us yet right And he's building us up to be all that he wants us to be as his people. And uh, today is kind of the end of our series. It's a crescendo, so to speak, as the Apostle Paul leads us to the truth of the church. And it's also a buildup for us at CLC, Carmel Lutheran Church, now to become Cornerstone Lutheran Church. It's talking about building up. There was a couple who had been married over 50 years. And uh, uh, they, uh, it was a traditional marriage. The, the wife uh, was a homemaker, and she was a mother and a grandmother, soon to be a great-grandmother. And on, on top of that, uh, the husband was a wonderful provider. They went to church every, every weekend, and they said their prayers together every night. But they had one problem that existed throughout their marriage. It seemed as though in almost every conversation, it always ended up in an argument. Uh, Many times it got downright heated. Finally, one day the wife had had enough. She couldn't stand it any longer. She knew that divorce was not an option. So that evening when she crawled into bed with her husband, she said, this just can't go on. I've had enough of this terrible situation. We must pray. We must ask God to change us. So let's pray. Let's ask God to take one of us home to be with him in heaven. And she said, then I can move in with my sister in Cincinnati. (laughs) She was building up to her point, wasn't she? And today we build up to this point of the church and who we are and what we are about in God's church. This is a common theme that we see in this entire book of Ephesians. Already in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says that God placed all things under his feet, Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. This is His church, and He is the head. We call it the Holy Christian Church. It's the only divinely instituted organization in the universe, and Jesus is the head. And He's the head of CLC. You know, it was over seven months ago now that we as a congregation decided that if we're going to be in different places, different sites, but still be one church, we would need to have a unified name. And so we thought a lot about this. We prayed about it. We searched the scriptures. And as God's people, we came together last month and we decided that we would call ourselves Cornerstone Lutheran Church. It has the same acronym CLC. It seems to fit and it's so biblical and it's 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 so wonderful because it describes who we are about and what we're we should be doing. Uh powerful words in this Ephesians chapter 2, and that's where the name basically comes from. As the Apostle Paul talks about, he says, consequently, as a result of God's peace that we have with him, we are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Over the years, many images have been given to try to describe the church. We've been described as an army. We've been described as a body with many different parts. We've been described as as a a shelter, a huge tree where all the the, the nations of the earth can come and find protection and shelter. Uh, We've been described as leaven or yeast that spreads out to all the people of the world. But today we have... Some very important images for us to consider as God's people. How many of you, when your children were young, or maybe you still have this, you know about the Where's Waldo books, okay? They're kind of fun because you, you try to find where Waldo is. And while Waldo's clothes are always the same and he looks the same, on a lot of these pages, there's hundreds and maybe even thousands of people, and it's hard to find Waldo. You've got to really search for him. And I have to tell you today, people are searching for the church. Where is the church? What is the church about? And today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we find that we are the church. And this section kind of is the answer to where's the church. And there are three images that the Apostle Paul uses to help to give us a better better appreciation for the church. I don't have to tell you that the church today is appreciated less than ever before. The church kind of has a bad name. In many circles. People have stopped coming to church, a lot of people. Our church attendance is less frequent than it was. There are less and less people who, are, who appreciate and love the church. And so that's why it's important for us to look at these images. There are three images that we want to cover. The first, the church is God's kingdom. The Apostle Paul says, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people. When Paul wrote this, being a citizen of the kingdom of Rome was one of the highest privileges that anyone could have. Rome was at the height of its territorial and political expansion. Rome had dominated the world. Its armies kept peace and dispensed justice. Rome had already been around as the leader of the world for hundreds of years, and people expected that their rule would never end. And so if you were a citizen of of the kingdom of Rome, that was really something. But here the Apostle Paul says "There's, there's a better kingdom than that. And that's the kingdom of God. Jesus often talked about that kingdom. In fact, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, his disciples said, teach us to pray, and Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come. When Jesus was being tried before Pilate, Pilate asked him, are you a king? And Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. When he was talking to the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees, you know, about the kingdom of God, he, he pointed to them and he says, The kingdom of God does not consist of you following all these rules, all these rituals. That's not the kingdom of God. He said, The kingdom of God is something that is inside of you. And the kingdom of God is inside of us as God's people. The fact is, we were not always part of the kingdom of God. I, this hit home for me a couple of weeks ago when I was in a paint store, and the fellow waiting on me, uh, had he could speak English but not very well, but I was talking to him as my paint was being shaken, not stirred, you know how they do that, right? And as the paint was being shaken, I, he, he told me how proud he was that he had just become a citizen of the United States of America. And uh, it was very interesting listening to him as a first-generation immigrant. And uh, as as I thought about that, I realized, you know, in a way, I'm a first-generation immigrant too, a spiritual immigrant, because there was a time when I was not part of God's kingdom. There was a time when I was part of the kingdom of darkness, part of the kingdom of Satan. But what did God do? He made me His own in my baptism. He came into my life. He redeemed me. He took away my sins by by His death on the cross and His resurrection. Jesus brought me into His kingdom. And yes, I am a first-generation spiritual immigrant, just like you. You know, when you study first-generation immigrants, there's a few things that are fairly typical of them. One of the things is uh, is that they are very appreciative of what they have. When I talked to this guy, he was just so thankful to be a citizen now of the United States, and he had worked hard, even though I had a hard time understanding him. They're very appreciative. How about us in the church? Are we appreciative of the blessings that God has given to us, or we just kind of take it for granted that we have a place where we can come and we can worship God in truth and in spirit and in power? Do we take that for, for granted, or do we grumble and we complain before God? about the problems that we have. Another thing about uh, first-generation immigrants is that they are generally very hard workers. Much of our nation has been built on the sweat of first-generation Americans. Maybe it was your grandparents or your great-grandparents, and when they came to the United States, they worked hard they did not have this sense of entitlement, that they, that they deserve something. They worked for it. It's the subsequent generations of immigrants that find themselves with an entitlement mentality. But what about you when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ? Are you just out to get what you can, to be entertained, to be served? As first-generation spiritual immigrants, we want to be part of the working party, Right? We want to be part of God's family, that we serve one another, that we care for all people. Thirdly, first-generation immigrants always have in mind about the future. It's not just about them, but it's about their children, about their grandchildren. First-generation immigrants are concerned about the generations that will follow them. And friends, that's also true in the church, isn't it, as spiritual immigrants? We are concerned about what's going to happen in the future. And that's why we support ministries. That's why we're we're so excited about starting uh, new sites because even though we may not even worship there, we know that God's going to use that to bring more people into His kingdom, that more people will have a, a living faith, a living connection to Jesus Christ. And so the bottom line is you will love the church and you will be passionate about Christ's work when you remember that it's God's kingdom and we are first-generation immigrants. The second image, not only are we in the church God's kingdom, the second image in Paul's kind of where's the church section in Scripture reminds us that the church is God's family. Verse 19, Now you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. The Greek word for household is family, extended family. The church is God's family. And like an earthly family, the family of God has some characteristics. First of all, we are blessed to be part of the family. Now, you were born into a family, but did you have a choice in that? No. It was all by grace that you were placed in the family that you grew up in. It's all by grace. It's God's work that we are part of His family. We have been reborn into the family of God. Other language uses the word adoption that we have been adopted into God's family. And as a result, we are blessed. We have the word of God. We have the promises of God. The spirit of God. We have support from our from our brothers and sisters in the family of God. We get to encounter God in our worship. We have the privilege of receiving Christ in the sacrament. We are blessed people to be in God's Family. We also have relationships in the family of God. You know, family bonds are strong. You've heard it said that blood is thicker than water. Well, the blood of Jesus, his son, has cleansed us from all of our sins. And so we are bound together with the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And that brings us into relationships with each other where we experience love and acceptance and humility and encouragement. There should be no other place on the face of the earth that is as good as us in giving out that kind of compassion and care to one another. And as the family, uh, we practice unity even though we are very diverse. There is diversity in the family of God. It was true in your family like that too. Raise your hand if you are or were part of a family with more than two children or more than one child. If you're two or more, raise your hand. All right, look around. Now, in that family, were you all exactly alike? No. Sometimes Chris and I, my wife and I, we look at our three kids and we say, "Did they have different parents? Why are they so different? You know, <laughs> That's the way it is. We are so diverse. And it's like that in the church. If you want a, a, an exercise, it's really interesting. Just stand in the back and watch people come into the door for church. And look at how different everyone is. And even though we say that Carmel is, you know, so homogeneous in this area and so forth, we are very, very diverse. Uh, and that diversity creates some tension, too. I, uh, someone handed me a, a little cartoon. It was one time coming out of church called The Irony Board. And uh, it had this guy talking, and the guy says, I was looking forward to an important meeting at our church, but alas, it was not meant to be. The peacemakers meeting, it said, scheduled for today, has been canceled due to a conflict. (laughs) We have diversity, and yet what does God, the Holy Spirit, do? He draws us together so that we can walk in humility and love and forgiveness and acceptance. And so if you love the church, you realize that the church is God's kingdom and the church is God's family. The third image in this section of where's the church in Ephesians is particularly pertinent to us here at CLC. And that is that the church is God's building. The church is a different kind of building, isn't it? It's not just a building that is based on rocks or stones or steel or plaster. The building of God is all about people. Back in the uh, 70s and 80s, we used to sing a little song that went like this. It said, the church is not a building. The church is not a steeple. The church is not a resting place. The church is the people. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. We are God's building, the church. And the Apostle Paul tells us what kind of building we are as the church. First of all, we are a people that are founded, a building on the Word of God. Look at our foundation. It says, "Fellow, we are fellow citizens with God's people, members of God's household, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. The apostles and prophets, that's code words for Holy Scripture. The apostles' teaching is what became the New Testament. The prophets, that's the Old Testament. And so our foundation of everything that we do and everything that we are in the church is God's Word. It's Holy Scripture. The Word has a priority. It has a priority in you as an individual. It has a priority in your family, and it is our priority in this church. I uh, smiled when I when I uh, read the story about a young mother who was trying to have a quiet time and was reading her Bible. Well, her four-year-old Uh, was playing in the same room and this four-year-old little girl saw what mommy was doing and she asked mommy to stop to give her some attention mommy when are you going to stop reading that book (laughs) the answer was never because the foundation of all that we are is found in god's word when we wonder who we are and what we are doing we come back to the word because the word always leads us to jesus christ and the truth of His grace and His love for us. Secondly, what kind of building is the church? It is a building that is built by the Son of God. Look at the rest of verse 20. With Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone, in Him the whole building is joined together and rises to be a holy temple in the Lord. You see, it's important for us to realize that you aren't building the church. I'm not building the church. That God is building his church, that was so evident when Jesus was talking to Peter, and Peter confessed his faith, and Jesus said to him, I tell you, you are Peter, the rock, and on this rock he says, I will build my church. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says to Peter and to all of us, and that's a that, that's a real strength of ours. Uh, we remember that that it's Christ who is so important to us. And we dare not forget that. And when a church forgets that Jesus is building His church, then planning becomes more of a priority than Christ's presence. Programs become more of a measure of success rather than, than the presence of God and prayer. Consumers will drive the church Instead of Christ. And it's not that we are against planning or programs or being sensitive to the needs of people, but these things do not build the church. Jesus Himself builds the church by the power of His Word. And we remember this especially as we transition to call ourselves Cornerstone Lutheran Church. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited about having a biblical name that is centered in the very core of the gospel. In fact, three things come to mind in reflecting on the fact that Christ is our cornerstone and He is the one who is building His church. First of all, when we think of cornerstone, we are reminded and assured of God's comfort. As you look at the new logo, uh, which is similar to the one that we had, but it's different, look, look at the center of the logo. What's in the center? It's, it's much more evident than our other logo was. The cross is at the very center of who we are as a church and who we are as individuals. And you see the arrows and the quadrants, which way are they pointing? They're all pointing inward toward the cross to remind us that it's the truth of Jesus and it's His love for us by His death on the cross and His resurrection that we have meaning, that we are people of hope, that we have peace in our lives. And it brings us comfort because when you look at the cross, you're reminded that God's got everything under control, that He's going to work things out according to His promise for your good because you love Him and you have been called. You are part of His family. You are part of His kingdom. You are part of His building. There is comfort. Not only is there comfort in knowing Jesus as our cornerstone, but secondly, we also receive our character. From Jesus, the cornerstone. Our character, who we are, at the core of who we are is Jesus Christ and His Word. And we seek to be more like Him. His character becomes our character. We become like Jesus. Martin Luther said that as a result of who we are in Christ, we are little Christ. That's who we are in our world. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is there it, it rubs off on us the fruit of Jesus and His love, so that we make a difference wherever God has placed us. As cornerstone Lutheran, we reflect the character of Jesus, and we become a welcoming place of hope and peace, always growing, always becoming more and more like Jesus. And when you look at the colors, uh, the, the, if you, most of the colors are are green, aren't they? And you know I reflect if you think about August, August is usually a brown time around here. It's the driest month of the year, not this year. We've had so much rain. Everything is so green. It's growing. you got to cut your grass now more than once a week. It's amazing. But the green stands for growth, and that we haven't arrived yet, but our character continues to be built up so that we are more and more like Jesus. And then finally then, not only is Jesus our cornerstone, He as our comfort and our character, He gives us our commission. Verse 22 says, And in Him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We are God's building, His temple. And as a result, we are the presence of God in our world. And He's constantly building us up to be His presence, to be His witness, to partner with Him. You know, usually when you think of of stones uh, in a building, you don't think of them as being something that is living. But look at the words of Peter. He says, As you come to Him, that's Jesus, the living stone. Jesus is the living stone. Rejected by men, but chosen by God. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You are one of those living stones built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus is the cornerstone, and God isn't finished. If you look at the the new wall of the church, of of the stone, you see all the stones are being built up, and there's there's a, a cap on the top of it. But when it comes to God's building, the church, there is no cap. God continues to add more and more living stones that you are partnered with, that you are part of. We are part of, 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 of that process as Jesus sends us out as we are His people going out to the world. Go, go back to the, to the uh, logo. Look, look at our symbol again. While those symbols are pointing in like an arrow to the cross, they also fan out. And that's our mission. We are not here to just take care of ourselves. God has given us a calling to go out to other people. And if you look at the length of the arms of the, uh, of the uh, uh, right angles there, they're all different sizes. They're all different shapes. Just like us, we are all different. And we are out to reach people who are different. All to, to point people, to connect people to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. That's what God has called us to do. To use our gifts whatever niche He he has given to you, that you can use your resources so that you can support this work, that we can be that church that God wants us to be, built on the foundation of of the prophets and the apostles, God's Word, with Jesus being the cornerstone, being pointed to Him, but then fanning out to others. Talk about using your gifts. At any age, I don't care what age you are, God has called you to live for Him. This was brought home in an article I read. Uh, by it was, it was written by Barbara Classing. And she writes, writes about her uncle. She says, My great-great-uncle lived to the ripe old age of 106. He was healthy and spry and took joy in chauffeuring his less-abled senior friends around town. On his 100th birthday, his driver's license came up for renewal. He went to the DMV, and the skeptical clerk said you're 100 years old. What do you need a driver's license for? My uncle, non-flustered, said, someone has to drive these old folks around. (laughs) Whether you think you're old or young or somewhere in between, God has a plan for you, and you are part of His church. We are lined up on Jesus and how excited we are to be Cornerstone Lutheran Church, that He is our comfort, He gives us our character, and He sends us out, He commissions us to go out to all the world. Yeah, sometimes Waldo's hard to find, and sometimes people have a hard time seeing in us the grace of God in Jesus Christ, but friends, we are the church. We are His kingdom, we are His family, we are His building. And God is using us to reach out, care for, and build people toward maturity in Christ. This is Cornerstone Lutheran Church. Amen?